Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. Harry Potter, right? It's a book about. I don't even read no Harry Potter, right? But I've seen <laughs> I've seen those movies, right? I ain't never read no Harry. I Potter. I never read no Harry Potter. I'm a writer. Hello, welcome back to Shit They Don't Tell You. I'm Nikki Limo. Hello there, and welcome back to the Shit They Don't Tell You about. My my name is Steve. And guess what? We just found out this week that this set that you're looking at, if you're on YouTube. Uh, if you're not and you're in the audio version, like we have a glamorous set, so just imagine that um, yeah. is now our permanent set, not a temporary set. Yeah. It's um, a little bit of real talk. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we were going to go back to our Old set life. that we had before. Our white label our set. Pre, our pre-pan life. Yep. Yeah. But then um, our production support our team contract is up now. And I don't think it's happening. We it's uh, not happening. We have been dropped. <laughs> we have been what they call in the biz thoroughly dropped. I don't know if it's the whole podcast department or just a singled out. We, well, I've been telling people the whole podcast department, but I do believe it, it's w- just, it is just us. I it's personal. It's, it's pristine. It's very personal. I Mark, yeah. you don't love us anymore. Mark, if you're still with us, thank you. If you're not, hey, dude. Hey. There's the door. Don't let it fucking. Well, <laughs> no, we got shut out the door. So yeah, don't, we let got, don't, don't, don't let it hit us. Don't let it hit us. Don't let it hit us on the way out, please, because that hurts. Thanks. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreoncom sticky. More than ever. You can go check that out. We do bonus episodes every month. More than ever. And Steve does a crypto corner where he does deep dive. So it's yeah, I do. Like a lot you know what? Value. I do and a two hour. I do a two hour show every week on crypto. Yeah. And so, yeah, you Anyways, come live. It's but fun. that's that's not about this topic. Like, no. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hey, have a drink, though. Hey, yeah. Have a drink. We're having one. We're having them. <laughs> <laughs> no reason. Um, yeah, no, today is an interesting day because I finally get to talk about something a lot of people have been talking to me about, talking about, which, of course, is screenwriting. This is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny because everyone now knows me as Mr. Crypto King and all this stuff, but but they used to know you as Ace, and then they and then there's a lot more, and they but, used to know you as. But I I came up also as a screenwriter. Wow, we're finding out more and more about you every day. So for those of you, and maybe you know whoever you are, I know everybody out there. No matter who you are or what your background is, you probably got a movie in you. You probably got something in you that you have imagined making someday. And why not just fucking write it? Why not? Why, why do not? this shit to yourself where you're like, oh, that's for other people to do. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You know why? Because there's a movie out there called Call the Conqueror, okay? Starring Kevin Sorbo, all right? And that is one of the biggest pieces of shit I have ever watched in my whole life. Call the Conqueror? Call the Conqueror. Mm. That is a real big piece of shit. It's not a, and int- guess what? not a good title. It was a movie that guy made. It had probably a $30 million budget. Wow. Yeah, and a bunch of assholes like sat there in producer chairs and like, fuck, this Call the Conqueror is sick. <laughs> so my point is, is that no matter who you are, whatever your movie is, you... It can't be worse than Call the Conqueror, so you'll be fine. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Just what do you go. got to lose? You have nothing to lose. And once you start putting pen to paper, this is when people get, freak, get really get freaked out. I have a, yeah. a, a close friend who's like this, unfortunately. Okay. For him. Mm-hmm. Because once he puts his, his um, you know, once he starts typing. Yes. 
unless it's exactly pristinely perfect, he just gives up on it or he just keeps rewriting it and he's in hell. Oh, that's too bad. He's never finished the screenplay that's by not, himself. That's not good for any creative process. It's horrific. Yeah, you just have to work through that. Those types of standards to put on yourself is shitty. Yeah. I also semi-blame some of his friends because they're always like, man, whenever you make something, it's going to be genius. And I'm like, God, oh. just shut up. Just let him write the fucking thing. Oh, I know who it is now. Yeah, it's Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love him. I'm just like, oh, just let this guy fucking write his movie. Stop telling him it's yeah. going to be genius and brilliant. That's too much shit. pressure. Yeah, just let him make him. Just let him do it. Actually, I would say it's give yourself Casey. a goal for your first one to suck. Like, let it suck the hardest. Like, write the shittiest movie. Dare yeah, yourself to write it. Because it will probably turn out way better than you thought it would. It was going to go. start out writing Cole the Conqueror 2, bro. Write the fucking trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who cares? How long does it take to write a screenplay if I'm brand new? Yeah, so if you're brand new, it's going to take a while. And, and when is it done? I mean, you don't even know. Because let's say in a perfect world, you write your movie. Yeah. You sell it somewhere. Well, now they have notes and your script's not done anymore, right? So mm. your script wasn't done even then. And guess what happens uh, too? You get your, your your shooting script. People are on set making changes as you go because it's a collaborative effort. It's not just yours. Yeah. Unless you're writing it, producing it, and directing it, like you're Ann Sorkining this thing. You're executive producing it. Yeah, and you know what? He's, he's even done that to limited success recently. He did this movie called... Um, the Chastain movie we just watched, the gambling movie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it was great. Jessica, the um, um, Abby's game. No, or something. something. Molly's game. Molly's game. Horrible fucking name for a movie. I have to say. It was based off the book. I know, but I'm just saying. I. What I was the book first? Molly's game. Okay, cool. Molly's game for what? Molly's game for shots. I don't know. For me, it was a great movie. Mm. Like you said, I think it had a little bit of, of a couple of problems. Like, and by the way, this is just me. Yeah. Watching it. And enjoying it. But yeah, then I liked your back, notes because when we were done, Steve was like, I have, I, I would have done it differently. And I was like, well, I really liked it. Like, what would you have done differently? Because it didn't really hit it, hit the same way it hit for me. Like, it didn't hit for you. And yeah. it, the movie didn't do very well. So I wanted to know. Right. And I agreed with your notes, actually. Thank you very much. I think I have good notes. Yeah. But um, notes is an easier thing to do because somebody else made something. Yeah. And this is what I want to emphasize. Somebody else made something. Just like when you're standing in an art gallery and now everyone gets to walk through and judge it. Mm -hmm. But at least they fucking made something. Right. Right? Don't be a critic who never made anything. You just shit on other people's shit all day. Yeah, because people think it... When people are great, are good at their craft or have been doing it for a while, they make it look effortless. And so when critics who have never tried making something, you know, attack it, it's like, oh, they think, oh, I can make it better. But yeah, I no, could have done it better. But You have but, the beauty of the vantage point. Yeah, but you don't. You weren't there it's, doing it from the, the first. And it's an easier place to, you know, look at something. Like if, if we get to look at the Columbia disaster, right? The space shuttle that exploded in, in like while it was reentering Earth's atmosphere, right? I'm really glad you explained that because I was thinking Columbine and I was like, I don't know where this is going. I could I could judge that too. I'm okay. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, you can look at all the parts like like on the ground yeah. and be like, here's where you all fucked up, asshole NASA. Yeah. But like it's super easy to do that if you're not there building all this shit and like working on it. So it's just a different thing. Um, so yeah, whatever, whatever I, I know you got a movie in you. And, and I don't mean to sound corny here. That sounds really corny, I guess, to say people have got, everybody got a movie in them. But I, 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 I believe that. And I don't think that anything that I do ever is better than anything anybody else can do i think if you're listening to this show 
you can do everything I've done in my life. You can do all of it because, Fuck yeah, and Nikki, Nikki really thinks that too. She <laughs> does not respect any of my work. But no, but the point is that I'm making is that you really, like there's nothing that anybody does that is special that is undoable by anybody else. Nobody is special. Everyone's just trying to figure it out. That's why Aaron Sorkin, who's considered a genius, and th- I have a problem with that word too. Because when you hear the word genius, you think, well, then no matter what they make, it's going to be fucking brilliant. Right. And I had, you know, I watched his movie and I'm like, dude, he has a couple of big flaws, I think. A couple of big uh, loopholes there in your logic. And if he's that smart and that much of a genius and that celebrated and he's won that many awards and he can fuck up, so can you and so can I. And nobody's got it all figured out. I don't think Steven Spielberg's made like a, even a Spielberg movie in like a decade because I think everyone holds him to such a high standard and he can't live up to it. Yeah, that's what sucks as an artist is like, because the whole creative process is about going beyond your perceived limitations like trying something new going out of your comfort zone but if someone if you came out with such a great thing that everyone holds you to this high pedestal now it's like so hard to experiment i found that with even making youtube videos you know a lot of big youtubers they get sick of their format the one that got them famous or whatever um and then they want to try to branch out but then their audience hates them for it because but they're just trying to they're just trying to work something new out. Like they're right. not re- they're not done with it, but they can't even experiment because they're too scared of um, like they've been held to this higher standard. Yeah, know? and I get both sides of that too. The audience is like, "Hey, dude, we we thought you were like this. And yeah, you're saying you're like that. Well, what the fuck? That's not like this. And That's that how I found you. Every every great artist goes through that. Exactly. I can so, name one: um, a Marshall Bruce Mathers. Okay, we got the it. Third. <laughs> we, we, we move. We're moving oh, okay. on. We're moving I, on. I'll tell you another time. What would you say is your favorite genre of movie? And oh. I'm asking this to Nikki and to you at home. I mean, or in the car. I guess. Uh, or at work. Dramedy, like a like an indie drama, an uh, indie comedy, like where it's um it's a comedy, but it's not like broad. Yeah. Okay. You know, more subtle humor. I would say mine's like an action comedy. Okay. Like a, like the, like the Rush Hour movies, all that kind of stuff. Like all that kind of. Those aren't. I'm not saying they're my favorite movies, but like Ghostbusters, one of my favorite movies. That's an, that's considered an action comedy. Like what would you call Garden State? That's an indie. Yeah. See, like an indie. Like an indie comedy. It's comedy, but it's like an indie vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's my favorite kind of movie. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but yeah, at the at the like when you boil it down though, like that one. I mean, when you boil anything down, right? Mm-hmm. Like that movie, I would say, is a dude with a problem movie, like in a way. Okay, but that's not a genre. No, it is. Oh. It is. Um, according to the Blake Snyder um, book, Save the Cat, which I recommend to everybody who ever wants to write anything. Like I was I, just thinking of the genres at the award shows. No, 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 of course, of course. But yeah. I'm, I'm just talking about the, the if you boil it down, right? Mm-hmm. Like what it's about is it's a guy who's like, you know, obviously he's he had a death in the family, and now he has to go home and face his demons. Yeah. So to me, I guess um, it was that to me rings more as a theme because like there's like the fish out of water. There's like the you know like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. That it seems like that would be in alignment with those more of that kind of category. Well, there's an up. You're not wrong, but there's an updated version of this that is the Blake Snyder version of this, mm-hmm. uh, and I I I love it. Oh, okay. It's for me. Um, but yeah, no, the award show is not going to say a dude with a problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. So yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But um, point is, is that you need to pick your genre first, right? You got to figure out what, you know, even if you got your story already, you're like, I already have my story, Steve. I don't want to fit it into a genre. Okay, don't be an asshole. Mm-hmm. And all I mean by that is I know people, I've known people 
who are like, what Hollywood makes is shit. I don't like their movies. I'm going to make something better. I'm going to make something better that is genre breaking. It's like, okay, congrats. But guess what? It, it already exists. Mm. It's been done. It, it just has, right? There's just so many fucking stories that have been told. What would you Hold call on. Moulin Rouge? Is that a is that a musical or is it a different type of genre? Um, it's a tragedy? No, I would say, well, that's, that's according to Blake Snyder, yeah, of course it's a tragedy, but it's a, it's a musical tragedy. But mm. according to Blake Snyder Beat Sheet, it's, it's like an institutionalized thing where it's like it's a whole... It's almost like there's a whole atmosphere, right? And it's yeah. like the pros and cons of putting the group ahead of ourselves, right? Which is what the women are doing. Mm. Like they have the corsets and they're like struggling and yeah. but they're trying to support each other and and then she falls in love, but she's trying to put the the environment ahead of her own personal stuff. So that would be an institutionalized movie, which is one I haven't written yet. I've written many fucking genres. I like that. Too. Yeah, no, that that's more. I mean, dude, a lot of the award-winning movies and like the really, really like um, mm-hmm. celebrated ones are the ones like that. That and Rites of Passage and like, right, you know, Coming of Age. Right. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, but yeah, you got to pick your genre out there. All right, you got to, you know, maybe you're a fan of these movies, and maybe that's where you start. Right, you're a fan of horror movies. Say, you're a fan of of action movies. Just know that if you write that, it's very expensive to do. <laughs> Yeah. But who would know, by the way? Not the, horror movies, though. They're cheap. Right. But but who would know, by the way, like speaking of expectations, that John Krasinski, Jim from The Office, could end up being like a hugely celebrated horror movie director with the, with A Quiet Place. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Nobody would have put that together. Nobody would have thought, oh, he's capable of that. That's what I mean by just fuck this expectation shit. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was looking at John Krasinski going, hey, Auntie Jim from The Office, don't you, shouldn't you, uh, <laughs> shouldn't you look at the camera and go like, mm, I don't know. Isn't he, uh, is that, I, I didn't watch his show, but where he, isn't he an action star too? Yeah, he, he's in the Jack Ryan show. Jack Ryan, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that was basically at the same time. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, just saying like he's crossing yeah, he's, all kinds no, of genres. No, because yeah. that, that happened, he's been able to break through his own like, like stereotype. But I really miss him as Jim from The Office. Everybody does. He was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so pick your genre and love your genre. Love your movie. Even if it doesn't mean that it has to be the best. It's kind of like how you feel about your middle brother. You're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so the audience needs to identify with whoever your main character is right like that's always very important like you like garden state because i think you identify very much with zach braff's character with natalie portman's character i think that you identify with natalie portman's character very much yes interesting wait why okay so why natalie portman's character um i just i felt like she was i don't know i hadn't really seen a like a really a weirder character played by a female um, in a long time when, and I saw that movie and I was like, that's exactly how I operate, but she's, you know, portrayed as weird and like, um, kind of like outcasts herself because she doesn't fit into the mold with everybody. Right. And that actually ends up being what opens up Zach Braff's eyes. So I'd never seen a weird girl be treated as valuable in a movie. I see. 
before. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Usually they're weird. Yeah. You're just weird. You're the weird neighbor girl or you whatever. You're like E.T. You're a com- comedic relief or whatever. But they like she was a whole developed character. Right. And I really appreciated that. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. No, usually if you see a weird girl in a movie, she's like a romantic comedy sidekick. Yeah. She's like a really hot the girl that falls sometimes <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like not really like or she's like the megan mullally oh like yeah the side yeah bitch. sure she's yeah like, yo oh i'll find love someday but like in the meantime it's all about you girl yeah you know and yeah exactly cigarettes. yeah uh so yeah you need to figure out what you you know what your angle is like how you can read somebody like nikki who's like watching the trailer or how she's you know watching you know this movie and she's going oh shit like I, I feel like I'm that person, right? That that helps people just get sucked in. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you got to think about, and this is the most fucking important thing that you could ever know about screenwriting, in my opinion. If you cannot pitch this thing to somebody, just like they they call it the elevator pitch, where like you're in the elevator with somebody. Say you you got in the elevator, and this actually happened to me one time. I got in the elevator with Robert Pattinson. He's now going to be the Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm standing in the elevator with Robert Pattinson. And it was like probably like 30 seconds. So if you can't get your fucking movie out in 30 seconds, I can't pitch to that. I can't pitch to the Batman my movie. Then by the time he gets out, my opportunity is gone. That's mm-hmm. the idea. I, I, I didn't say a word to him. I didn't even look him in the eye. Well, I mean, he's just an actor. I don't know. Well, back then he was just doing movie. that Twilight shit. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you could, produ- could have produced your movie. It wasn't the same thing. Also, because I was at a very prestigious company. Mm-hmm. It would have been very bad for me to do that. <laughs> yeah, I served him in a restaurant. Um, him and Kristen Stewart. It wouldn't. They were dating, oh, shit. Would, and th- they did not seem happy. <laughs> well, that was foreshadowing. Yeah. That's called foreshadowing, which okay. is another movie thing. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Hitting all the notes today. So, so, but she doesn't ever seem happy. Is that crazy? Is that a bad judgment? It was during that time. Oh God damn! Yeah, it was wow. already public. When she's fucking the director. Yeah, there. yeah. Wow. And so it was their, I don't know whose families, but one of their families or both of their families, I don't know, the mixture, but it, it seemed like family. And so like, then, let's go break up at Red Robin. No, this was in the fancy Beverly Hills hotel. Like, it, only A-list celebrities went there. I see. It's where you go when you don't want anyone to know where you are. Right. So I saw a lot of, I saw celebrities get caught cheating at that bar so good. i saw uh celebrities that were healing from plastic surgery or mm. would be there because they would stay at the hotel and then they would eat at the restaurant downstairs right. and the the bar down there and it's very like five-star restaurant fine dining very so, nice yeah but anyway so give me a movie nikki and i will elevator pitch you this movie okay. and, I, and we did not prepare this i will be just doing this cold and we'll see how it goes Okay, so not Garden State. Not Garden State. All right, all right. All right. Um, um, there are no other movies. Uh, Shit. No. Um, seven. Okay. Um, uh, two cops um, who are... Wait. Okay. Two police officers who are um, thrown into a whirlwind when they discover a string of serial murders that are connected to the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And you're like, oh shit, what's that about? But usually you like to have some kind of irony in there as well. 
can you also say like oh and hunk super hunk brad super pitt, hunk brad pitt. yeah exactly <laughs> no but the point is that you're trying to get people yes. interested in it yes. as you say it, yeah right? so that was like, a great hook yeah yeah so you're just looking for anything about it like why is your story interesting asshole like that's what i always ask myself yeah what's the thing that makes people go huh what oh, makes people go okay. oh fuck i want to watch I wanna, that i want right? to see what where that and maybe goes. even a better pitch it's like um it's like a cop on the verge of retirement gets um the the craziest case of his life and has to decide if he wants to leave the job or if he's going to let it pull him back in right like something like that kind of people go oh shit that's really personal yeah and that's that's interesting right i did like the seven deadly sins catch though i love the seven yeah. deadly sins yeah or you could even incorporate that too right that's cool right so it's like um it's like um two cops who are not you know who are definitely not religious uh people um find themselves uh, trying to find out everything they can about the seven deadly sins in order to stop a string of serial murders mm. like something like that like makes people go that's interesting okay yeah, yeah i'm picking up the back of the box i'm picking i look at the back of the box of this at blockbuster or whatever which is the old way that you you looked at that uh -huh. and you're like oh shit okay interesting and there's a super hunky pick of brad pitt on it <sighs> he was pretty hunky yeah yeah no, he still he is he's in his prime he still is uh, when is his prime over, by the way? Fucking it's 30 years? Yeah. Jesus Him and Tom Christ. Brady are just vampires. They're going to yeah. be hunks forever. So, yeah. So so that that's what I mean by you got to have your elevator pitch. You got to have your hook to it so that it's something that you're like, I want to watch that. Okay? Okay. So now that you have that, you know what your main character is. You know what your hook is. It's, it's, it's almost time to start writing. Okay? But... Here's what I want you to do personally because I am a writer myself, okay? I want you to seclude yourself with, and this is this is a little treat for a lot of you who maybe you have, like, you're, you're like, oh, man, I'm just going to be looking at my phone. I'm going to be distracted by things, right? Mm -hmm. I, wa I want you to <clears throat> go to the store or, you know, Amazon, whatever, and get, like, a couple of things that are your favorite things. Mm. Like, get, like, Three things that are your favorite things. For me, it's like, you know, obviously, it's not trope. Monster energy drink, right? Maybe some beef jerky or some shit like that. And like uh, some kind of a healthy snack like pistachios or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like a pistachio nut. It's a very salty snacks you got. I love salty shit. Yeah. That's my whole shit. I don't even like sugar. You know that. Right. So get those things because those are the things that you're going to lean on to get you through this. Like and not it's not like it's a bad thing, but when you're like, oh fuck, you're like, oh I got my little treat to look forward to. So you're not going to your stupid habits, yeah, of like your stupid phone and your stupid internet. And it also stuff. like ritualizes it. So this practice of doing that with that what you just described, you can translate it to other activities as well. Um, Anything. Like I was just reading a book called Invested by Danielle Town, and it was she was talking about setting up a, an investing space so for your like investing practice so that you set aside an hour or whatever a day and it's just like with yoga or with working out or with anything else like with yoga you would have your mat and then that, that defines your space on the floor but with your investing space it's like a few things that inspire you or your a picture of your favorite investor um your favorite snacks like your 
all these things that, and then when you pull out that box, it's like you're in the zone yes. to do that thing. Yes, and, it's crucial. This and is it, crucial. It, tra- it like trains your mind to like, okay, now we're in writing zone. And this is something that I wish it was in uh, Save the Cat and a bunch of other writing books. I've yeah, read. I'm glad you mentioned that because it that is that's actually something that's really key. Headspace. It's yeah. key, 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 key to this whole thing, right? Otherwise, you you will fuck up. Okay, so yeah, get in your right headspace. I even do this for crypto. I do it all the time when I'm researching anything. Yeah, I, I don't like to be distracted with music for for anything when I'm reading something. Mm-hmm. But if I'm writing something, I could I could fuck with a little bit of music and I could do like my little treats. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I like to burn a certain candle, so the smell reminds me of editing. It's fantastic. I edit with it. Yeah. I also refuse to do it in any pajamas in any way. Mm. Like I just think that it makes me feel more like I'm doing a job if I'm dressed like I'm doing a job. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so just whatever you know, to each his own. But that I think is a little little tippy tip that has helped me a lot. Okay, so we're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, we're gonna finally start writing your fucking movie. And yes, it does take this much preparation because even though it's gonna be your first movie, I want it to be something that you know it's not your. It's not. We're not saying it's your best, but it's your best yeah. shot right now. That's all. And, and everyone has their first fill in the blank, like where it, obviously it's not going to be your best if you end up doing more, but you have to get that first one out or else you just will never. There was a time where Michael learn. Jordan didn't even know what the fuck a basketball was. Right? You learn more from doing than you do from analyzing or reading or whatever. Exactly. So, you know, we're going to dribble and we're going to take the shot after this. What a cool sports analogy. Thank you very much. I love sports. Me too. Sports. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We just want to take a break to tell you to like, thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to rate it, that would be really awesome for us. Like, Listen, we're on break. We're not talking to you like podcast hosts right now. We're just talking to you like people. As a friend. And we just want to say, please rate the show because it helps out a huge amounts. Like we're not desperate. We're like kind of desperate. We're giving shout outs right now to all the people who are giving it ratings. So Huge shout out right now to Brian Jorgensen. That was sick of you, dude. Thank you. God bless. Uh, huge shout out right now to Mark. Mark W. in Springfield, Connecticut. Back to our podcast. Jenny Blythe. Hey, back to our podcast. In Tuscany, and Florida. And back to our podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Steven. Huge. 
Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> We're back. Welcome back to the Don't Tell You Network. Did we have an ad? I sure hope to God. <laughs> <laughs> hope to fucking God, man. Okay. All right, guys. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, uh, please check out our Patreon. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, now it's time to get going on this thing, okay? Uh, Blake Snyder uh, is a big fan of the opening image. I don't think we need to worry about the opening image for your movie, right? We're not trying to write an Academy Award winning movie here. We're just trying to get your movie out, okay? So I'm going to skip the opening image according to the Blake Snyder uh, um, uh, Save the Cat, which I highly recommend to everybody who's trying to do this, okay? It's a book. It is a book. Yeah. They also have an audio version, all kinds of shit. So, yeah. Okay, but you keep referencing it, and I just want to be My bad. That it's a book. So, you're going to. You need to figure. Well, okay, damn. I actually fucked up. Okay. You absolutely have to have a theme to your movie. Yes. Your movie needs to have a theme to it so that there's some kind of through line, some kind of point that you're making. And it doesn't matter what your movie is, there's just something in there. Even if it's just friendship, like, it doesn't have to be something deep or something heady or something nuts. Yeah. It's just about having a theme there that, and I don't want to confuse anybody, but to me, your A story should always be informed by your B story, and your theme should always be coming through, uh, like underlined by Both your B it. story. Can yes. you explain what an A story, B right. story so is? A story you- is the main plot of the movie, right? Die Hard. John McClane is trying to save his wife. Okay, mm-hmm. B story. He's going through maybe a potential divorce, and he's trying to get his wife back in two ways. He's not just trying to get his wife back from literally the, crutch, the clutches of terrorism. He's trying to get his wife back, like loving him, like like because he needs to change, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know that yet when the movie starts. Gotcha. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's so beautiful. I fucking love that movie. You don't even know that movie, huh? Mm, mm-hmm. I can pretend. Okay, perfect. Please do. I know, it's about a film. dude that wants to get his wife back and his life back. True. Very true. And it rhymes. <laughs> I hated that, though. Okay. So, yeah, so that, but that's really what it's about, right? What's your theme, right? For John McClane, right? He's trying to, he's trying to get his life back on track. He's trying to get his wife back mm-hmm. in multiple ways, which is so great about that movie. It's just great. Um, you know, you could look at any movie and, you know, go back to even what you brought up before, right? Like Garden State, what's the theme of that movie? It's a guy who's, who's trying to figure out like what it means to be a man really. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all, it's a coming of age movie about a guy, a guy who's worried that he's broken. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's so many ways to hit that theme, but try to be specific with it too, right? But it doesn't have to be too specific where you're just a, you're just beholden to your theme. It should just it should just come through and it should be nice, you know. Nolan does theme so well, it's crazy. I love all of Nolan's choices when it comes to hitting theme. But um yeah, just pick something. It could be anything. That's that's what I mean. I don't want to stress anybody out about theme, but um and we'll get we'll get to more of that. But yeah, you need so now we're gonna get to your setup, right? You know, and each character, I mean Maybe I'm jumping ahead, no, but please. each character. So I studied acting in like a conservatory program. And when we did script analysis, which we would take sc- movie scripts because I was doing film acting, not theater. Um, we would take movie scripts. And the first thing they would have us do is 
uh, find the theme and you had to get very specific on the theme because each character is processing the theme in their own way. Correct. So, you know, um, if the theme is, is breaking down, you know, or be having a breakdown or whatever, each character is dealing with that theme in whatever way. Maybe one just came out of one. Maybe one is going through one. Maybe one doesn't think they'll ever have one, you know, yeah, like yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. But you have to have a theme that's so specific that like it, it does create the storylines and or it aids them mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there's so many ways you could describe theme, but the important yeah. thing is to just pick something. And then maybe as you layer your movie out, You'll figure out different ways to incorporate. Well, if you theme. have an idea for a movie, like get to the root of what, what it really, what the real theme under there is. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. Harry Potter, right? It's a book about. I don't even read no Harry Potter, right? But I seen, <laughs> I seen those movies, right? I ain't never read no Harry. Potter. I never read no Harry Potter. I'm a writer, but I never read no Harry Potter. And okay. but the point of it that is, I understand what it is, right? Once the movie starts, if because they did a good job, I know what the theme is like right away, right? It's like. Here's a kid with no family, and he finds it in this magical place. He, the, he, he, he's an outcast in his own world, and then when he goes to this place, that's where he finds his family. That's where he finds like where he belongs. Mm. And it's that simple, right? But it's not that simple uh, like at all times. Like mm. Sometimes you have to break your theme down enough to where you're like, no, 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 just keep it simple as fuck. Like it's just, That's all it is. That's all it needs to be. So it's not like, I mean, Harry Potter is a kid who's, there's like a, a MacGuffin, right, which is like a, 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 an item that somebody is searching for. Every single Harry Potter book has a MacGuffin driving the story. It's like Indiana Jones, right? He's looking for the Lost Ark. That's the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. So he's a character in search of something. But was Indiana Jones about him getting the Lost Ark? Sure, it was. It was. But it was also about him. Um, he, he could have had great power... But at the very last minute, he rejects power and it saves him, right? That's what the first Indiana Jones movie's about. And that's like the power of that story is that like, you know, Hitler's trying to get the Ark because Hitler wants all of the power, right? And Indiana Jones is trying to get the Ark too. And does Indiana Jones want all of the power? Well, no, he doesn't. And that's what saves him. And that's what kills the Nazis. And that's what saves Indy. Mm, so that's what killed the Nazis. That's what killed the Nazis oh. was the Lost Ark. Everyone knows that. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so so that's you know just remember that. that that helps you a lot. But you're trying to pose like a setup with your main characters, and within the first, you know, I like to say, you know, you you. By the way, some of my favorite movies, the setup is some of my favorite parts of those movies because mm. I like to see the way that they. Build the world. Yeah, build the world out and the way that they like slow bleed you into who these people are. Yeah. The Big Lebowski opens with, you know, tumbling, tumbleweed, all that stuff. But when you see him, the narrator is already telling you about what a fucking loser he is, which is fantastic. But you see him filling out a check for 67 cents while he's buying milk for later his white Russian. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you see George H.W. Bush on TV saying this aggression will not stand. As he's writing his 67 cent check and he looks up at the screen real quick. And then later on in the movie, 
he's like in a heated moment with another actor and he's like this aggression will not stand man and you know that he got it from that clip and he doesn't even know what the fuck he's talking about even the way he's saying it he doesn't know what the hell he's saying but you we got that as the audience because they set it up so well yeah so that movie's brilliant by the way i fucking love that movie um but yeah so so really like the setup of that movie is one of my favorite setups of all movies like they they just let you know this guy is a fucking loser quickly but then the movie struggles with is it okay to be that you know what i'm saying when you come into it from a capitalist like american like all this stuff in in your headspace you go oh this guy's a fucking loser Mm -hmm. but when you watch the movie like you see the way that he lives and you go shouldn't we all try to be like him Mm. and that's kind of the beauty of their theme Mm. they're saying like here's he he's in uh battle with this rich guy because he wants to get his rug back and, and the rich guy is saying, I'm sorry for those of you who haven't seen it, very, very quickly. Yeah. His rug gets peed on in the beginning of the movie and by the end of the movie, or in the whole movie, he's just trying to get his rug back because got peed on from a misunderstanding because there's another guy named Jeff Lebowski who got, um, his wife got kidnapped and everyone thought that he was that Lebowski and mm-hmm. so they tried to you know, intimidate him to get him to pay up, but he's a, he's the loser, Lebowski. And so the guy's peed on his rug as a statement, and then he's trying to get his rug back the whole movie, and he's he's got just a bunch of idiot friends who can't help him at all. Nobody can help him but him. And that's kind of the beauty of that movie. He's the only person who can help himself because everyone else like who tries to help him, it gets worse and worse and worse. And so that is an example of one of my favorite genres where you have a a – like a, almost like a, a snowball rolling downhill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and our lead character is running in front of it. Mm. And I love those movies. Yeah, that's like you know a lot of like like Fargo and like a lot of like frankly those like the Cohen movies. Are yeah, like I that. love the Cohen movies. Love them. Um, so yeah, that that tells you what who that guy is from the setup. Yeah, and then the theme gets hit a bunch of times throughout, and we we sort of change our mind about this by the end. We're like, holy shit. Here's somebody I judged, and now I'm wondering if he's got it all figured out. Is that called an arc? It's called the arc, exactly. So now you're going to go into your catalyst, something that happens. Big Lebowski gets his rug peed on, right? Zach Braff gets a phone call. Your mom's dead, mm-hmm. right? Like um, for the Ghostbusters, they go to a museum, and a, a woman is like, Shh, and then she fucking turns into a crazy ghost and she was a ghost the whole time and it's, and it's like oh my god what are they gonna do right there's there's a catalyst that that sets everything that you've built up into motion now your characters are doing something because half the time people pitch me movies and i'm mostly looking at bart kwan <laughs> i mostly just want like bart all kwan the to look name at drops going out got right? like the no my outs. buddy bart okay from jk mm-hmm. he will pitch me 10 movies and i'm like bart this is not a movie this is just an idea. It's like, it's a sketch. Yeah. But it's exactly how I was mm-hmm. a decade ago, you know, when I was first writing totally. movies. Totally. Well, you have to so it's cute. get drilled on like what it really is, you know, <laughs> like when you, when you're like, okay, what's the theme? What's the theme? Like at first you're going to be like, um, it's about two cops that, uh, 
they they're breaking into people's houses and well like when they think that they're on vacation for christmas yeah and and it's like yeah but that's not really the theme of home alone but no it's some it's like the home alone but the uh, the theme of home alone is like appreciating your family right yeah but the catalyst of that movie is they forgot kevin yeah and so the catalyst is something where we've already seen the family moving around we've already seen them like they don't appreciate him he doesn't appreciate them i was just saying that like to get good at theme like sometimes it's hard to figure out what you're trying to say of course and and until you do it over and over and over and over again exactly so yeah the catalyst is something that puts your characters in motion let's see how they do right like let's take something from them or let's give something to them and it makes their life inconvenient and it makes them do something that they wouldn't normally do. It's it I it's a great there's a great way of putting it that Blake Snyder puts it where he says there's no going back, right? Like from this point forward there's no going back. They can't just go back to what they had before, right? Dumb and dumber, like they are literally losing their place, like people are trying to kill them, and they don't even know it yet. There's no going back. You know what I'm saying it's just simple things like that that just get your story into gear. Okay? Yeah, I th- so I'm saying that like if you're brand new and this isn't just top of your head yet, like second nature, it would be a good exercise to watch a bunch of movies and try to yes, get really specific on yes. what's the theme, what's the catalyst, what's the setup, all of the things that you're talking about. Yes, please. Watch as, and by the way, this is what I make everybody do before I write anything with them uh, and vice versa. I do this is... We pick the genre. We know what our movie is. We watch five of them minimum before we start writing our movie. Mm-hmm. Five of those movies. Because anytime you're stuck, they figure it out for you. Anytime that you're like, man, I don't know. Like, are we are being too heavy-handed about the theme? You see the way that they do it. And you're like, no, we're not. Or yeah. yes, they are. Or, or, or yes, we are. It, it just helps you so much that so many smart people, we stand, like the, the famous quote, like we stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. Um, it really applies here. It also helps you get the tone. Absolutely. And the the the, the feel of yeah. it, the way you want it to look, like all that stuff and the way that you write it, like all that stuff can be helped by watching, you know, there's not one movie that didn't rip something else from like some other movie, right? Yeah. Like there's not really original ideas anymore. No. Yeah. And and it's not about original ideas. It's about telling a unique story. Mm-hmm. Like and, and it's unique to that character. That's all. Yeah. It's not this bullshit. Like everyone does this thing now where they're like, "Oh, I want to do something nobody's ever seen before." But dude, there's that doesn't that doesn't that's not what that's not what people want to see. Mm-hmm. What people want to see is themselves in some way. Yeah. Depicted through these characters through this story, like and to do that you have to relate to them. <laughs> yeah. For fuck's sakes. So it can just be this out there thing. No, you can't just make a. Like a fucking Tron movie. I think that's why um, art school students or in film school students got such a trope because they're all so artsy. Oh, but like, then they're all copying from each other yeah. in, in a way and they're all doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's so funny about it because at the end of the day, they can't even be that original. Yeah. So yeah, um, then your hero has a debate about what just happened, right? This is kind of crazy. I don't know if I want to do this yet. Like, like should I go... Like, I don't know if I, why should I be here? Zach Braff is like, he's home. And he's like, I don't even know if I should be here. I'm probably going to leave soon. Don't worry. Right. Or like. Well, he's avoiding a conversation with his dad. Exactly. And he's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to confront my past or anything. I don't even want to barely be at my mom's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Ghostbusters, they're like, should we start a business? 
holy shit, we, we got this ghost tech stuff, but should we turn this into a business? It's kind of risky. You know what I mean? Like it's just, but then you go back to their school and their professor's like, I'm going to expel you guys. There's no going back. Right. So you're, you're already propelled to your debate because there's no going home. That's all, right? And it needs to ask a question about, you know, basically what your, almost what your B story is. Like it needs to ask a question of like, am I ready to face my B story? Like the the end of this movie, the conclusion where where I need to go, Mm -hmm. right? And usually, obviously they're not ready yet because that would be the end of your movie. So they're not ready, but they're, they're, they're actively moving past their past. Yeah. They haven't quite come to the, to the realization yet and that's okay uh now we're going to break into two this is one of my favorite parts of all screenwriting where you get to basically um you're already you know you're already in motion now like your character's already begun the hero's journey and now it's time to break into two like where you're going uh like into act two but you need to have your character hit a, a central point of conflict that directly rebuts the theme or somehow helps them see the theme a little bit better. Yeah. So like, uh, I can't remember Garden State's second act move. It's been a minute for me. Well, it was because uh, they need to go get this necklace. The friend, um, Zach Brass friend is a gravedigger and he steals jewelry from corpses. And he stole Zach Braff's mom's necklace. That's right. It's and personal. Yeah. And he feels bad about it. So he feels guilty about it. And so he takes Zach Braff and Natalie Portman on this wild goose hunt for this necklace. Um, but it doesn't tell them what it is. Right. And so they're just blindly following him. And he's getting. Yeah. That's the second story. Beautiful. Line, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know. I'll keep going through the 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 other thing, like like the other things I've brought up so far. So in the Big Lebowski, the break into two is, uh, hey man, like we want you to help us recover my wife, right? Like, like the Big Lebowski goes to to the loser Lebowski, and he's like, my wife was kidnapped. I need you to drop off the money so that we can get her back and. I'm afraid her life is in danger. This is all on you, man. And he's like, that's fucking crazy, man. What are we talking about, man? And like, her life is in your hands, man. And he's like, don't say that, man. Come on, dude. Like, <laughs> Her life is in your hands, dude. Like, I, wanna, I love that movie. Right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nikki had to, has had to watch me watch this movie, and she doesn't like it that much. No, it's fine. Yeah, I, I don't think it's laugh out loud funny, but he laughs out loud the entire time, and it's just this movie really, destroys. It's more my soul. fun to watch him watch it than oh, it is to watch the movie for me. Yeah, you're so wrong, by the way. It's so <laughs> laugh out loud funny. It's great. It's a great movie. I'm not hating on it. I just say I yeah I don't I didn't laugh Tough out loud. Critic. Tough critic. <laughs> they don't come perfect, folks. They just don't. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a, it's another moment right where your character is in a watershed moment and they're basically going like, holy fuck. Yeah. And there's no going back. Right. Once he dropped that money off and they fucked up, there's no going back to like, Oh, I don't have to worry about this. Like now he's like, Oh my God, I killed this chick. Right. And like, and ghostbusters, it was, they've now started their business and they're like on the rise. 
or no, this is just before that. They they have now decided to turn this into a huge business and it's taking off and it's like, oh my God, this is working out. We can't go back because all of, like this is all taking off. This is becoming a huge phenomenon and now there's ghosts everywhere in New York and like we're super busy because of it. And should we be worried now? We're too excited right now to worry, right? Is there something bigger going on? We don't know. We're busy. We're, we're making money. Um, this, And then this is, you know, after you break into two, you need to bring back your B story, right? This is what carries the theme of the movie. This is like, usually it's done by a love story in some way. Yeah. Right? And it's something that I think informs the A story when it's done well. Mm -hmm. Like Indiana Jones is looking for the Ark of the Covenant, but he finds love, right? He doesn't take the, he doesn't uh, use try to use the power of the Ark at the end of the movie he instead uh, looks away from it with the woman that he loves, right? And that's where he finds the true thing he was looking for, the true power, right? Which was love. It's that simple sometimes. That's what happened in Garden State too. It didn't happen in Garden yeah, State. Yeah, Zach Braff was like, I guess I gotta go fucking bury my mom. And then he's like, I can't wait to get back to LA because fuck this town and all these people in it and all this stuff and everything sucks. And then he meets Natalie Portman and then, then after they find the necklace, then he has to go back home, which is the thing he wanted to do the whole time. But then he doesn't want to go anymore because he's he got in Nat- love. Natalie he Portman's. got in love with her. Yeah, and she has noise-canceling headphones or whatever. Yeah. I, I remember that. Okay, so yeah, there you and go. she listens to the shins. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately <laughs> so you don't like the shit no they're fine i don't even know what wow. their music is. i'm not that kid i don't so know I don't, i'm not cool enough to know even know what their music is i'm very uncool okay also indie so now now you are informing your a story right you're helping your a story be, be uh your theme through the b story yes okay now everyone's favorite part of the movie fun and games okay oh. in shazam he's what? got Nice reference. Thank you. It's, well, it's one of the be- it's one of the better ones I've seen lately. Okay. Where they're doing funny games and you're just so obvious it's funny games. I mean, superhero movies, it's always that. Yeah. Spider-Man's got his powers. He's web-slinging around New York. Or he's not web-slinging yet. He's like trying to web-sling and he falls against the wall. He drops into a car. He fucking can't. Yeah. He's stuck to a wall. He doesn't know how to... F- he falls. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's having a good time. You know, Ghostbusters, they're going all throughout New York. They're busting ghosts. It's funny. Like they're they're trapping ghost joggers and shit, right? In uh, in Garden State, I don't know. They go to this mansion because one of their friends got super rich from inventing silent Velcro, and so they're in go. this mansion with no furniture, and they're all like in the pool and stuff. And then Natalie Portman tap dances. And there you go. They're having fun. That's the whole point. Yeah, they're fun having fun. It's fun, all fun, and, it's games. fun and games, man. Yeah, and uh, you know, in Big Lebowski, it's interesting too because for this one, he he they just go bowling. <laughs> No, they just go bowling. Um, <laughs> Bowling's fun. So it doesn't have to be light always. That's all. Is it doesn't always have to be light. Yeah. Like for this one, it was definitely not a light bowling experience. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but that's what that's what they did. And so it doesn't always have to be like light. But usually in a lot of these like commercial films, like it's, yeah. it's very fun in games. Is like like in Molly's game, you know, she's got her new game up and running and things are working well and she's a badass boss bitch and like, mm-hmm. you know, every door she walks up to, somebody's handing her money and she's smiling and like, you know, it's all that kind and of shit. You guys are flirting with her. Yeah, stuff. yeah, but she doesn't give a fuck and she's yeah. just getting her monies out of it, right? So now we'll get to the, we get to the midpoint. I also love this part of the movie because this is where the theme of your movie gets turned on its head in some way. Like it, it's basically like 
you know, all is won or all is lost. Like the fun and games is over. Like let's get like there's some kind of event that happens where you're like forced back to the main story and it's like oh shit, right? And I think that it should usually contradict um, the theme of your movie in some way. Mm. Like a lot of times it's a death. Like if you watch that Avengers movie, right? It's all kinds of spoilers in this episode of Shield. Yeah, right. So the guy named Coulson, the Phil Coulson guy, the Shield guy, that's when he dies, right? The midpoint. And then it makes all the characters go, oh, fuck. It's not just superhero fun and games. Mm. We have to get back to the story now. We got to go, like, oh, shit. Shit just got real, right? Mm. Literally in Bad Boys, (laughs) in Bad Boys 2, the midpoint is they get a phone call. I think um, Will Smith's wife got kidnapped. And then Martin Lawrence is like, shit just got real. And the camera spins around in like fucking 90, 100 degrees and shit. Mm. But that's the midpoint, right? It's like, oh, shit just got real. That's what you need your characters to think. Mm. Like, oh, fuck, shit just got real for, for, our, for our people. I see. And then now, bad guys close in. This is according to the Blake Snyder beat sheet, right? Where it's like, okay, now it's not just shit got real, but the bad guys are coming for you in some way. And the bad guys don't always have to be physical bad guys. Like, like they can be personal demons, which is what happened in Garden State. Like that, in many indie movies, it's personal demon stuff. It's like usually some kind of history that they've had, some kind of a personal affectation they've had from some kind of trauma that is now resurfacing, and it's closing in on their psyche. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's fucking with them. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's there's nowhere else to go. You have to confront this shit finally yeah right that's what the point of bad guys close in is you're confronting it but then you fail okay Mm. and and when people watch movies this is one of the reasons why you guys like movies i promise you like if you like them i hope you do but you're listening this far you do but the the way that the movies are structured is what keeps your interest yeah. because they're not just the same tone, the same, same beat over and over. If it was, you'd be out. And, I, and they fuck up. Sometimes that happens yeah. and you, you notice. You know why that's why I have such a problem with slice of life movies? They're so hard to do. Me too. Because I, I don't, like you, nine times out of 10, I do not like slice of life movies. There's Couldn't no arc. It's just so flat. And it's yeah. just like you're waiting for some shit to happen and then no this, shit happens. This is my problem with um, the new Tarantino movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It went forever. Once Upon a Time was so much backstory, so much buildup, so much character introductions and layering of characters, but no catalyst until the end of the movie. The catalyst didn't happen until the end of the fucking movie. Which is so weird because usually it's the beginning. So, right. But then Tarantino's like, fuck you. I'm big dick in this shit. This is my 11th movie and I'm out after like the next one. So, fuck you. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, good for him. Like I, as what I was saying earlier as an artist, like after you've made things that have been praised and stuff, like yeah. sometimes you want to experiment outside your comfort zone and you're like, I just want to try some new shit. And sometimes it sucks. Like but it wasn't, visu- but it wasn't yeah. just, it wasn't interesting until the end. I agree. Until the end. A lot of it people brutal. liked it, but I, for did me, not, it was I didn't brutal. like it. But one of my favorite movies ever, Boogie Nights, <laughs> right? Yeah. They don't do like a bunch of different like tropey things. Mm-hmm. Like for them, it was he gets kicked out of his house. Like his mom literally just takes his shit and fucking rips all his posters down and she kicks him out of his house and he has to go do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where. No turning back. No turning back. And so, yeah, it doesn't have to be like literally all this stuff. But your all is lost moment, like in 
in Boogie Nights, his all is lost moment is when he goes. I mean, it happens really quick. Actually, he goes to um, he was Doctor Octopus in Spider Man Two, Albert Molina. Mm. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. He goes to yeah. Alfred Molina's place, and Alfred Molina is like this cocaine dude, and Molina is basically like. You know, doing tons of coke, and then like this drug deal goes wrong, like people get shot, like it's fucking crazy, and like the all is lost moment is like, oh fuck, I lost my old life with Burt Reynolds, I lost my old life with those great people. Now what am I gonna do? But they solve it so quickly, you're like, holy shit! Yeah, you're basically solved by the next frame of the movie. <laughs> but that's what I mean. But you're all is lost. You know, it's a moment where your character is going, oh shit. I fucked up and there's and there's no going back and I'm fucked. Uh-huh. In Die Hard, the all is lost moment is when he's in the bathroom after he runs on the glass. You haven't seen this movie. No. But he's telling um detec- detective Powell or Sergeant Powell on the walkie-talkies that he fucked up with his wife, he fucked up with his marriage, he shouldn't have been such an asshole as he's picking glass out of his feet. And thinking he's not going to make it. Mm. And the Sergeant Powell's like, hey, man, you're going to make it. Like, you're going to make it. And it's super emotional and it's great. Uh, and it's not too much. It's not, it's it's perfect. Like, that movie is fucking perfect, I think. But, yeah, your always lost moment is like, your character fucked up and they think it's over. Right? And And that's when they have the dark night of the soul. They're at their lowest point. They have no ideas. No one can help them. Usually in rom-coms, they're literally, it's raining. <laughs> literally, they're driving somewhere, right? There's nowhere to go. They, um, they're driving away from an airport <laughs> because <laughs> the person already left. Like, it's over, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and now you're going to break into three. Usually in a rom-com, Owen Wilson shows up and he's <laughs> like, hey, man, I had an idea, right? <laughs> or he's like, hey, man, we're bros. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that whole thing. It's like, it doesn't matter that we, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want to hate you. Like we're bros. I love you. All that shit. Step brothers. They do that. Exactly. It's, but you have to have that to keep your interest going. I promise you. Cause if not for the, all this structure, you're lo- you're bored as fuck. Yeah. You're so bored. You need things to be flipping on itself every 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. Or else you're bored. Do you know what movie? It was like a lot of just like, Okay, well, this just is a panic attack the entire movie, but like a flat panic attack. I know. Was what? The Adam Sandler movie? Mm, no. Uncut Gems? No. Oh. I liked that movie. Me too. Until, until the, the end. end. Yeah. No, that Ryan Reynolds movie where he's trapped in a box underground the whole movie. Oh my God, I didn't even watch it. I hated yeah, it. That looks scary. I hated it. Like, yeah, it was just like. I never like, gave you a break, huh? No. Yeah. And like, if there's. In my opinion, there's no payoff, but you know, not no spoilers. That's not why I watch movies. Exactly. That's my thing. I just don't watch movies to be like destroyed. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But I respect all forms of art. It's just not for me. Right. I'll I'll stick to my part of the gallery. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh so now, yeah, you've broken in three your solutions found, right? The characters are using like thanks to what they have learned from the B story, they're now informing the A story with it and they use the B story lesson to beat the bad guys in the A story, which is super sick. I also hated Requiem for a Dream. Oh it man. Just, it's a lot. I it made me so depressed for like a month after. That's a lot, man. 
that oh there's no like come turning back saving no. the day moment in that movie none, none so yeah you got like you, you now you have your finale right it's act three your lessons have been learned mm-hmm. you're applying your lessons to beat the bad guy in whatever form whether it's psychologically physically like i mean dude sometimes like in act three like of seven the lesson learned is like you fucked up <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what i mean like like the lesson learned in seven is so interesting because it's basically the main character realizing that he went he didn't he wasn't able to protect like his family like he let all of this obsession with this case become his obsession when he should have been looking more home yeah bound right or homeward which is like super sad it's a tragic yeah like like end so sad. to understand right um and that can happen too like cop movies one of the main tropes of cop movies is their obsession with getting the bad guy. But like this one did a great job of showing the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Cool. You're obsessed with getting the bad guy. Well, guess what? The bad guy got you. Mm-hmm. But he got you at home where you weren't looking because you do this. Very interesting. Very interesting way of doing That's that. So scary. So scary. But such a good way to, to, to underline that point while not being heavy handed, mm-hmm. which I loved about that movie. Um, but yeah, the the A and B story. You use the B story to to, to underline, like, like your B story is underlining the, your theme, which is reflected in your A story. You have beaten the bad guys. Indiana Jones defeated the Nazis by not using the power and using love. Beautiful B story, informing A story, solving your problem, getting you out right, and yeah, and now your world is different. Right? There's no way Indiana Jones, a, a simple professor who's like, I want to dig for stuff, is going to be the same after this. Mm-hmm. He's different. He saw insane things. He saw literally people's face melt and all this shit. <laughs> You're not the same after that. right? <laughs> he saw ghosties and all kinds of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, your character's now never never going to be quite the same. And that's that's what it how it ends, right? Is your, you know, because of this, they're better now. And hopefully, mm-hmm. or they have learned something, unfortunately, like in seven. Right. So it doesn't have to be one way. It never, never does. It doesn't always have to be a happy ending either. That's for damn sure. I don't like when it's not a happy ending. I know you don't, you beautiful kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. That's, that's how, listen, and for those of you who are listening to this still, I want you to know, I really think that anybody could do this and just try it. Just do it. Do the structure. Like listen to all that structure. See, watch movies. Study the structure. Write a, write a movie without thinking about it. Just do the structure part. Then you can always go back and refine it. You're probably going to take out a lot of scenes if they don't fulfill, if they don't support your theme or the storyline or the plot. And they don't move the plot forward. But um, Every scene should somehow be moving your story along in yeah. some way. Otherwise, it's filler. But... Find that out when you read it back and have a friend read it and like just start yeah. just start to play. Just I think play. if you're too critical like with each scene well the first draft, like you're you're just never gonna get it done. So just get get it all done, all those beats with the structure, and then you can go back and like refine things and make it better. Yeah, man. Cause yeah, each each scene actually has an arc. Each scene has the the characters go through a, an arc. 
Yeah, and some some of them are more defined than others. Like a lot of times when you watch a Scorsese movie, the arcs are not as defined. And same with Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Like the arcs are very much like they're more like understated than um, they would be in like a rom com or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. Like rom coms hit them hard. You can't mm-hmm. miss them. So start there if you want to understand structure. Start at your average rom com, and you will see the lines. I promise you. If you even listen to this podcast and you hear you listen to me. You will start to see some of these lines and let that and it's okay sometimes too because you know hopefully unfortunately but also hopefully you get to the point where you're watching a movie and you can kind of tell what's going to happen next based on the way that they set up their theme and what they want to do with the story so sometimes and this is very annoying sometimes and i try to shut up now but we're watching the movie and i'm like oh my god this is going to happen this is going to happen because you could just tell I do that too yeah, yeah 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 but but you can just tell in the way that they're setting everything up the way that they want to pay it off because obviously their bias is there because they're trying to push you there. Mm-hmm. So then you can kind of tell what's going to happen before it happens sometimes. Don't let that distract from your love of movies. Just try to love your movie. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, there's some shit that they don't tell you. There it is. Unless you read Save the Cat. You should read that book though. You should absolutely read that. That, yeah. that, is, the, that is a godsend for a lot of people. You can reference it at any yes. time in this podcast. And also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash sticky. Thank you so much. We love you guys. We love you guys. And we'll see you next time. And share the show with a friend. It really helps a lot. Goodbye. And rate us five stars. Okay. That's a lot of tasks. More than ever. We need you more than ever. All right. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Let's stop you guys.